got a subject to talk about, which I'm kind of not really looking forward to sharing with you. It's kind of, I don't know if you're one of these people who are really good at talking about difficult subjects. I don't think I am. But nevertheless, I believe that God has put it in my heart and, and I, I want to bring it out. And, and I want to do it well. I want to do it with a bit of humor. But I pray that God will actually speak to you beside all my ramblings and, and uh, my weaknesses. Okay. So, yeah, it's a subject that it kind of, it might affect us differently. We might have different views. It might split families even. It might cause, you know, worries for some, more anxiety for others. And, but as a family, we need to talk about these things, as a church family as well. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be talking about birds and the bees. Don't worry. <laughs> but we will be talking about money and, and giving. So it's the second worst. <laughs> Nobody rush out, please. Nobody rush out yet. Because we all have to handle money. We all have to do something with money. We, we save it. We spend it. We give it. We use it. We, you know. And these days... I don't know if you're a bit like me. I don't carry my wallet around anymore. It's just that thing. And it's just tap and tap. And it's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy. But still, we need to... Uh, I feel we need to talk about it a little bit as a church. Um, because Jesus spoke about it. And because they reckon... There's about 2,000 verses in the Bible that talks about money, possessions, tithing, offering. And apparently it's twice as many as there are verses about faith and prayer put together. So uh, this morning, it might take us a while, but I'm going to try to get through all these 2,000. <laughs> no, no. But nevertheless, it either shows that people that during the Bible times were really materialistic and they needed that message. Or it might just apply to us as well. And they might have been just the same as us. Jesus' parables, 16 out of 38 of them, handle kind of money matters and possessions. Nearly 25% of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship. And one out of ten verses in the Gospels deal with money. So it's, it's quite, you know, seems like an important subject. And, and so uh, I do love our church because we don't really bang, out, bang on about it. And, uh, and I think that's good. Because I have heard some sermons which are really make you crawl <laughs> on this subject. And I'm really hoping that I'm not delivering one of these to you this morning. Let me start with a story, though. I've borrowed this story from somebody, a very accomplished speaker. So if you recognize the story or some elements of it, just, just go along with it. Just carry on. So this story is about a man who went to airport and he was about to catch a flight. 
And you know these days, yeah, try to get through your security quite quickly. And normally you'll have like a couple of hours left over. And this man thought, yeah, I'm ready for a coffee. And a little sit down and I'll get my phone out. And I'll download the latest sermons that I missed from Family Church. Obviously, every good person would do that, wouldn't they? Yeah, just a side point. Yeah, you can do that. You've got a, uh, we've got an app, and it's quite easy um, if you've got an Apple phone. I've got Android phone, and I found out that it was a bit difficult. I was listening to preach, and it was crashing and starting all over again. And I was like, I, I know this first few minutes off by heart. <laughs> but I've got a good news for you. Even if you've got Android phone, there is an app which you can listen and download the messages, even on Android phone, and it didn't crash, not single time for me, so you might want to use it as well. It's called Podbean Podcasts. Podbean, like podcasts, pod, and bean, like baked beans of Heinz. Um, so try that, try that if you get stuck. And another little plug, once you download that app, uh, International Christian Embassy has got a podcast there as well called Olive Tree Talk by uh, Mark Starbuck. He's been to this church a few times. And, and so if you want to know more about ICJ or International Christian Embassy, Jerusalem, that's a good one to catch as well. And you can catch that on Podbean too. Okay, that's a little side point. Anyway, our man then, he got to airport and he was about to thinking I need to download some messages so I can listen to on the plane so I so I can sleep well. <laughs> ah, you're listening. Oh, good, good, good. And, uh, you know, last time we flew, I flew with Joanne and we went to um, Italy and, and you, you try to get a coffee and, and there's all these people sitting in cafes and they've not even bought anything. You could see that there's nothing on the table and they're just sitting there, they're just waiting for the flight and it's like, oh, it's, it's not easy to get a table. And that man found exactly the same thing. There was no table left. He got his coffee, he got his bag of donuts and he's looking like there's nowhere to sit, there's nowhere to sit. And then he spots, oh, hang on, there's a, at least a table there. There's a chair free. There's one man sitting there already, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind me just sitting opposite him. And so that's what he does, and, and the companion doesn't seem to mind. So it's time to make yourself a little bit comfortable, isn't it? When you've got a little bit of time to kill. So you take your coat off, you place your bags. I don't know if you do that as well. If I fly on my own, I need to make sure that my bag is somewhere almost like attached to my body. Otherwise, if somebody walks away with that and my passport's gone, it's curtains, isn't it? as they say. And so that man just placed his bags here, he made sure he did it well. And finally, you know, he's sorted, he's relaxed, he's opening his coffee, he's grabbing his um, donuts, get it open, oh yeah, no, it's one of them with a hole in the middle. So when you squeeze it, a bit of grease comes out of it and, and, the, and the sugar is all over his fingers. Do you know that one's really tasty? The only problem is when you want to go straight on the phone, it kind of gets a little bit stuck on your screen and it's a little bit annoying, but but this man somehow just managed and uh, it was 
downloading happily his uh, family church sermons. And all of a sudden, he sees at the corner of his eye, this man across the table reaches over, grabs the bag of donuts, puts his hand in, takes one out, starts eating, and just gives him a smile. And he's like, whoa, whoa. The number of years I've, I've flown, I've never had this. It's the police about. It's the, it, there's no police about. Oh, I should really tell him something, but I don't know. Maybe he's a complete psychopath. And he, he could, you know, end really badly. So I'll not say anything, but I'll, I will give him a little look. <laughs> Hopefully he gets me the message, don't take my donuts. And as well, I'll, I'll really pull that bag of donuts really close to me this time. Okay, and everything seems to settle down. This time, this man gets out two donuts. He wraps them around his fingers. He's like, oh, yeah. Scrolling with one hand, eating donuts with the other, and then sipping coffee when he can. And all of a sudden, the man reaches over, right across the table, pulls the um, bag of donuts to him, and he does the same thing. He takes a couple out, and again, he's got a cheek to smile. And he's like, what is the world coming to? There's a donut thief. <laughs> but, uh, you know, distress state, he was able to, at least Wi-Fi still worked, so he was able to download a few uh, sermons, and, and he noticed the man is actually ready to go now. So he said, oh, it's about time. You donut thief. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, off the man goes, just gives him a last little wave and smile, and and um, and so our man, he looks at his watch and he's like, "Oh, time's gone quickly, actually." <laughs> Sipping me coffee here, I best go and find out where I'm going next. So uh, I'll grab my stuff and and as he reaches down, then he notices his bag of donuts are right down next to his bag. <laughs> so the man who he thought was stealing his donuts. In fact, he was actually sharing his donuts with him. And I'm just wondering if they landed on the same flight, sitting next to each other, and, and they could talk it through. We don't know that, but I would like to think that happened. Anyway, sometimes we can get precious about our donuts, or any other things, or money. The message I want to give you this morning to remember, especially young people, extremists, God owns all the donuts. All the donuts are his. And even the table that the donuts were laid on, even the airport, the cafe. The Let me tell you what God owns. Let's read some of the Bible. Exodus 19.5 says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. That's about Israel. For all the earth is mine. Job, Job 41.11 says, Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Psalm 24.1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Let me just give you one more. Haggai 2.8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the
the Lord of hosts. And there's a few others, really. You probably know them. But the message is simple. God really owns everything. And, and as we were singing the song about taking a breath, and God really owns the air as well. He's given it to, freely to us to breathe. So we only exist because he has created us. And he sustains us. God is in everything. And he owns everything. What if somebody clever then asks, hang on. If God owns everything and he has everything, what do you give to someone who has everything already? Yeah. And and then they might then they might say, uh, so he owns everything, but why, do, why does he want my money as well? Why does he need my money for? I'm sure nobody has ever thought of that or asked that kind of question. But, but nevertheless, let me just ask that question. And we'll try to answer it during the next 15 minutes or so. God doesn't need your money. It's all his anyway. God doesn't even want your money. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> but what's God really after? What does God really want from us? Could somebody shout, yeah, Kayla? All of us, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we could say, you know, what's really in the center of us is the heart. And John mentioned it, our hearts before. God really wants our hearts. And John read out, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. It's almost like God versus money in this uh, a kind of equation. Is money really the problem? Is money the problem? Does the Bible say that money is the root of all evil? Or is it the love of money that's the root of all evil? It is the love of money in uh, 1 Timothy 6 it is. But nevertheless, We've got this equation. You either love God or you love money. Jesus said that. And I don't know if you do it sometimes, but I've been a Christian a long time, and, and uh, every so often I try to kind of put myself in a non-Christian shoes and put on their thinking. And obviously I work with lots of non-Christians, and, and I watch what they do, and, and they obviously watch quite closely what I do as well and what I say and and they're very quick to remark if, if there's anything even remotely close to the mark <laughs> uh, to criticize me but that's all good isn't it at least they're listening <laughs> but let's try to put ourselves in a non-christian shoes what does actually motivate them in life what motivates them what gets them up in the morning what get, keeps them going I reckon it, money has got a big part to play there now. 
because money can give them security. Financial security, obviously, that's obvious. Even social security, even, even physical security. What else does money give us? If we think it on, along them terms, it can give us significance, prestige. It makes us really someone. We can look down on some people because we've got more money than others. And, and what else it does? It makes us self-reliant. We are thinking, hang on, I've got my money. I know how to have fun. What more do I need? And on the other side of the equation is God. Us as Christians, we don't put our hope in money, do we? we we're looking to God who created everything and owns everything and sustains everything. And it's, it's such a privilege to know the good news of the gospel. That our God didn't have just a little rescue plan for us because we, as human beings that sinned, we really messed up. We, we were enemies of God. But God had a plan to redeem us. And it wasn't a plan that would cost just a, I don't know, I don't know if you're a bit like me. Sometimes we try to make a plan and it's like, oh, I wonder if that, that will do. That's enough effort for this type of problem. And, and, and maybe if it doesn't work, then we'll add a bit more to it and work on it. But God's plan of salvation, it was a bit different. It was like God said, no, I'm going to put everything into it once and for all. Once and for all, it's going to be all paid for. It's going to be all done. I'm going to, I'm going to buy back the humankind. And if you know poker terms, it's like it's almost like I go all in. Everything that I have, I put into this rescue plan. He held nothing back to save us. What a savior! He's great. Let me read Ephesians 1 from verses 3 to 8. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him a great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. He has showered the kindness along with all understanding and wisdom. Have you had a shower this morning? That's the beauty 
of us who are not relying on money. Because we know we've got some, something better, somebody better who's paid everything for us, who gives us our security, gives us our significance, gives us our identity. He gives us everything we need for this world and the one to come. It's as simple as that. And it, if you don't know him this morning, it would be my pleasure to introduce and we'll pray and, uh, and you get to know him this morning because it's, it's the best thing you can do. It's the simple gospel message and it stands up against love and money. It stands up against anything. Christ is our security. We're safe in him. He gives us our identity and significance as his children. I just want to look at one more scripture, really. And that, that's really regarding the giving. What can we then do? What, what is our response to this amazing Savior? What can we offer? What can we offer to the one who has everything? And we know that he's after our heart. We can offer ourselves. We can offer our lives. And, and that's how we become partakers of his nature. And as I said, God is not stingy. God is not, he didn't held back. Our God is generous. And he wants us as his children to be generous. So we're going to be looking... Um, Just another two scriptures from Second Corinthians, from chapters 8 and 9. And we're going to be looking at, specifically, and talking about act of giving. We're going to see how much and with, with what kind of attitude should we give. And what is the result of our obedience to God, sharing in his generosity. Should we jump in it? Uh, so I'm not going to read the full chapters. If you've got your Bible with you, it will be good to follow. Uh, I'm re reading it in NLT again. And we'll, we'll just pause it and have a few little chat points. Okay, chapter 8, a call to generous giving. Now I want to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God is and his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I could testify that they have not only they sorry for I could testify they that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it on their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. So Paul is written, writing here to Corinthians about these churches in Macedonia. He's saying they are poor. And somehow they, they were still able to give and they wanted to give. And, and Paul kind of caged the giving and said, you've given too much. You've given too much. And he said, looks like Paul really didn't want to take the money off them because he knew how 
poor they were. And it says they begged us again and again to participate in giving. How often we hear different kind of begging. There's not many people who beg to give money. It's normally the other way around. But God had done something in them. Let's read on. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. And Paul kind of identifies that as a key. And to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have heard Titus who encouraged your giving in first place to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the church, other churches. So Paul is telling Corinthians, you've really got everything. And Pastor Steve has been uh, preaching on uh, first letter to Corinthians, so we, we know quite a bit about it. And if you miss some, you can catch it up on the podcast. But it mentions the, uh, the same thing, that they had everything. But he said, but I want you to be really eager in this as well. It was something that they had started a year ago. And somehow they kind of failed to act on their initial um, willingness and eagerness to give. And the money hadn't come or I don't know if there was a problem with a bank transfer. Who knows? But somehow the money hadn't come. And Paul is saying, but I'm testing how genuine is your love. And Paul is kind of saying the love could be a, our giving could be a parameter of how deep is our love for God. You know the generous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through he was ri- Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his po- poverty he could make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year... You were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. That's good advice, isn't it? If I found a wallet here, somebody's left the wallet behind. And if I just emptied the money out of it and, and showed everyone, this is my giving. I'm giving something that's not mine. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. You should give what you have, not what you don't have. And also it means you should give proportionally, it says. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. So Paul is not putting a figure on it. He's not saying to you, oh, I'm commanding you to give. And, and as a church, we need to be careful. The language we use, we give because God has given us first. Not just materially, but he has given us much more, hasn't he? He has shown us 
his generosity. And from receiving his generosity, that enables us to give. And if we try to do anything else, I don't think it's fruitful. You know, Corinthians, first letter, there's a chapter 13 that talks all about love. And one of the verses says, even if I gave all my money to the poor and didn't have love, it would be no good. It is a heart matter. It's not about the sum. It's not about the amount, but it's about a heart. Let's, let's just look at the next chapter as well. There's a few little pearls here as well. Let's just, um, before we draw to close. Okay, I'll read from uh, verse 6 in 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants ge generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Great harvest of righteousness in you, it says in the other translation. So it, another thing that kind of annoys me when... There, might be an element of truth, but it depends how much um, emphasis we put on it. Some people almost say, give me your money so God will multiply it. Christian giving is not a business venture when, when we invest and, and all we think about is the return in monetary terms. It definitely isn't. I'm not saying that God wouldn't bless us. It says he would bless us and increase our resources. But what's more important, I think, is then produce the great harvest of righteousness in you. Again, God is interested even when we give, he's interested in our heart, what he can do in our heart through our giving, through our generosity. And last bit, what else does our giving produce? Next few, few verses, it, it says, it will produce thanksgiving to God by the people who they're helping in Jerusalem. They will thank God. And they, as a result of your giving, it says to Corinthians, they will give glory to God. So not only they will be uh, relieved from poverty and, and helped, materially, they will also give a great praise to God through it. So our giving can have a, like a different dimension to it. Have you experienced that? I have. <laughs> and I'm sure lots of us have. And sometimes it, it might not be a lot of money or it might not be even money at all. It might be just somebody has helped you. And 
thankfulness. Let me just give you a quick example from my, from my youth in Estonia. I, uh, I went to church, and our church was about, uh, using public transport, it took at least an hour and a half to get to church from my, our home. And so it was a bit of a trek, especially when you were coming back on Wednesday night or Thursday night, like, and, and you would get home like 11 o'clock at night, really. And another thing, when it was winter, we were obviously using the train. And in Tallinn, there's a, the main train station is called Baltic Station. And only now when I've learned to understand the English language, I know why they call it Baltic. Because it was always cold there. Every time we were going home, and it was like when you were waiting for that bus to come, you got off the train and you're waiting for the bus to come and it's just not coming and the wind is blowing through. But I tell you the times when somebody offered you a lift and said, oh, you don't need to go on a train. I'll go out on my way and I'll take you home. And I tell you what, what that does in one person's heart, it's like, I'm like thanking God and I'm, I'm warm and and I can get home quicker. And I'm praying God's blessing on that person because they're using their resources to serve God in a different way and serve fellow believers. So it's not always even about your money. It is about serving. About serving. We all serve. That's our, our family value. We serve with our we give our time and we give our talents. And it's all part of the same generosity. We do it because God has loved us. And He has He has showered us with His kindness. And that's the only thing that motivates me to give. And and I, I hope that you feel the same way. And so we don't give out of guilt. We don't give because somebody's, you know, marching us to the offering box. No. What I want you to do is, is do what Paul said to Corinthians. It's like, weigh it up. Ask God, what does he want you to give? And remember, God is not after your money. He's after your heart. But sometimes, maybe our money can get in the way. But it is individual, and, and we're not giving any directives. We're not even talking about tithe. It's free will offering. You're free to give. Whatever you can, and whatever God says you should. What is our task then? Our task is to say, God, what do you want me to give? And ask if God maybe wants you to become a regular giver. We can, obviously, you've seen the bags go around. You can give on the app. Those who didn't know, you can give on the app. But it's not the most efficient way of giving. The most efficient way of giving is using the bank transfer because that costs the least amount of money to church to receive <laughs> and uh, and it's yeah it's easy to handle as well 
And secondly, if you are a taxpayer, please consider gift aiding. That's the simple uh, thing that our government will give a, an extra 25 pence for every single pound that you give. And, and it's a blessing. It's a blessing for us as a church. So uh, consider that as well. But first of all, there is no pressure that we're not saying you have to give. I'm asking you to consider. I urge you to ask. Get in your prayer room and, and see what God wants you to do. Don't give what you don't have. It's like if you haven't received God's grace, maybe it's time for you to ask for God's grace first before you can give anything. And if your family's going hungry and you can't heat your home, you shouldn't give anything. <laughs> you should, should seek for God's grace. I remember when I was a young man, I was about 18, 18, 19, I was working, not working, volunteering in a church where me and Joanne actually went, as we met, we were in Parno in Salt and Light Church. It was like a smallest church plant. And, and she came back to England and, and I carried on working as a volunteer doing youth work there. And, and I spent my times in prayer. And, I, and I'm like, I'm saying to God, if it, just give me a little bit of money and I, I will serve you. Just give me a little bit of money and I will serve you. And, and I still remember God kind of speaks to us gently, doesn't he? And he's, he really laid on my heart that, you know, God wants to do things in our lives, and yeah, and he wants to bless us, but sometimes he want to, wants to take things step by step. And he wants to test our, our faithfulness in small matters. And then he knows where our heart is. And, and he, he really pressed that on my heart as a, as a young man and said, you know, with money comes great responsibility. And, and I knew some of my friends who got a bit of money and they, they kind of, you know, it's so easy to go off the rails as a young man or a young woman, I guess. It's so important to be grounded in God. And I think, so my... Just to finish off, as I said, just ask God, where are you? Where are you at? What God wants from you. And there is no compulsion. There's no pressure. Because we're freeing God. Amen.